0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello everybody, it is Thursday, February the 8th, 2024. Uh, We've done, over the last few years, a lot of shows about the drug industry, one last year, Stands out. I enjoyed it with Deborah Bonello. She wrote a book, uh, a Latin American uh, journalist or a, a British journalist based in Latin America. Narcos: The Secret Rise of Women in Latin America's Cartels. Of course, she doesn't dramatize or romanticize the drug trade in Latin America. And we've done a number of other shows on the drug trade in Latin America, which tends to be violent and rather depressing, with huge implications on the United States in particular. We've also done shows on the global nature of the drug business. One a couple of years ago with Sam Quinones, The Least of Us, a book about fentanyl and meth, a a story which is becoming more and more prominent and tragic. He touches on Asia in the book but doesn't focus on it. And today we're going to talk about um, the Asian drug industry or certainly one intriguing, uh, very unusual aspect of it. Uh, there's a new book out by my guest, Patrick Wynn, who is the Asia correspondent, the Bangkok-based Asia correspondent for the world. He's been there uh, since 2008, so knows the region very well. And he has a new book out, Narcotopia, in search of the Asian drug cartel that survived the CIA. It's uh, a follow-up in some ways to a book he wrote back in 2018. Hello, Shadowland, uh, a book about meth fiefdoms, rebel hideouts, and bomb-scarred party towns of Southeast Asia. Uh, And Patrick is joining us from uh, tomorrow in Bangkok, early in the morning in Bangkok. Patrick, congratulations on the new book. Uh, There was one, um, I'm not sure if you read the review, in. in the daily telegraph which half jokingly suggested that your book should make recreational drug users feel virtuous i don't know if you read the review it's rather amusing
1: (laughs) i did um that certainly wasn't my goal i'm not trying to make uh, drug users feel any way at all i'm trying to show how This area of drug production in Asia, which is one of the hottest drug production zones in the world and has been for a long time, um, is connected to the United States and U.S. operations in ways that people don't fully understand. Um, The uh, I'm surprised that I'm the first person to have written this book because the story is so extraordinary. But uh, no, wasn't my goal. Wasn't my goal, Andrew.
0: When you think of the title, of course, Narco utopia one thinks of utopia your book is not about a utopia but it's not also a book about a dystopia how how did you come up with that title and what exactly does it mean
1: yeah look it's a word i made up um what i'm trying to convey here is you know similar to the way that saudi arabia is a petro state um in burma myanmar same country two names there is this place called Wa State that is a autonomous, it doesn't have its flag on the wall of the UN, but is it is, it, a, it is an autonomous nation state with its own highways, roads, electricity grid, national anthem, you name it. It is a sovereign territory. And in this, it is sort of at the very heart of Asia's golden triangle, its drug production region. Utopia suggesting a a place and narco suggesting the, the primary force that that drives and shapes that place. So, so just as Saudi Arabia is a petro state, a narco state is a place where narcotics have shaped the economy, how people put food on the table, ways of life, the ways that borders are drawn. And so it's meant to evoke it meant to evoke that.
0: Most of the headlines over the last few years, um Patrick, and, and you know this better than I do, you you've written many of those headlines, are about one kind of horrible ethnic conflict and military dictatorship in Myanmar. How does the Wa, how, how do the Wa people and the, the the territory inhabited by these people in the north of Myanmar, how does that fit into the broader contemporary history of Myanmar? Well, Myanmar
1: at the moment, for the past three years, has been experiencing a raging revolution where the people in the lowlands and the highlands of the country have teamed up to once and for all destroy the military regime that has ruled the country for decades. So by and large, Myanmar is in a terrible state right now. It's on fire. What most people don't understand is that the most stable government inside the borders of Myanmar is not the regime, the recognized Um, you know, at least at the UN, right? The recognized government of Myanmar. The most stable government is Wa State, this area as big as Belgium with its own military, 30,000 troops. That's not very big, Patrick. I don't
0: want to be, I I don't want to insult (laughs) any of our listeners in Belgium, and we do have some, as it happens. Um, But uh, we're not talking about then a particularly large area, particularly in the context of Myanmar, which is a large country.
1: That's true. So I think The way that the uh, DEA would describe this uh, place is, um, you know, it's basically just a drug cartel. It's just a criminal syndicate. And you certainly, when you think of a criminal syndicate, you don't think of uh, any group that's effectively ruling an area the size of Belgium. So, no, I'm not saying it's as big as China or anything like that, but it's quite large if you just think of it as some sort of jungle mafia. The point of my book is to show that it's not. It's a drug cartel with a nation state wrapped around it. The drug cartel is, is the financial engine of the nation state. You can't just, um, we, we can't just look at it the way that Americans look at the the cartels in uh, in Mexico, right? Um, these, this is not a purely for-profit enterprise. There's a nationalist agenda behind it. So
0: this is drugs with a human face.
1: <sighs> I mean, I'll, I think you could find a human face in any drug trafficking operation. I mean, I, in the course of, uh, researching this book, I found people who I liked and thought had a, um, had a real moral mission. I found people that I thought were completely cold and callous and only interested in money. Drugs are, drugs convey power because drugs bring in so much money and what you do with that money matters. And in this case, They've used it to uphold and create a a, a nation for 35 years. The point is not that this is a this is a great place and that we should all like rally behind them. The point is just that it exists. And so I tried to treat it like almost any other government.
0: You say for 35 years. So it began under at least in myanmar um uh, uh, under the military regime how how connected was it with um with the centralized power or did it just emerge almost spontaneously as a consequence perhaps of the fragmentation of power in myanmar hmm.
1: yeah, so the it, it's Uh, By and large, it's to uphold and defend the ethnic homeland of the Wa people. So this is an indigenous group native to the border of Myanmar and China. Um, In 1989, the Wa got organized enough to overthrow who, who was ruling them at the time, which was actually a proxy communist party of China. So they ran the place for 20 years. The Wa got fed up with that. They did promise a utopia, by the way, that did not pan out at all. The Wa rose up, throw out, threw out those guys, and established their own nation, nation state. They then went to the military regime in Myanmar and said, "Look, I, I'm. I, we understand that we are inside the borders of Myanmar. We're not going to run off to the international community and say." recognize us as a, you know, a brand new state that is, um, again, has its flag on the wall of the UN. They said, we're going to nest inside Myanmar, but we are totally autonomous. So here's the deal. Your laws don't apply here. If you'd like to come visit and talk to us, you need to ask permission. You can't just walk in. We're going to maintain our own standing army. And this is by us, for us, forever. And Myanmar's military conceded to that deal because the Wah have a, frankly, a pretty fierce reputation, and they didn't want to tangle with them.
0: So might the, the Kurds of, of northern Iraq, in a sense, be perhaps an equivalent to the Wah of northern uh, Myanmar?
1: Could be, I don't know enough about the Kurds, so I would be hesitant to make that analogy. But from what little I know, uh, sure, you know, if you're, you're lucky, many people belong to a nation, you know, uh, an ethnic group that has a nationalist ideal but not everybody has a state to defend that and that's what they wanted you're, you're quite lucky if you have the state that is willing to uphold who you are what you stand for your culture your ideals and uh, that's essentially what this project is all about this nation building experiment again yeah, it's a remarkable it it's that, a
0: remarkable narrative not? a, a nation building experiment built on uh, a narcotic industry, a narcotic e- economy. Tell me a little bit uh, more, Patrick, about the Wa people. They have their own language. Who who are they most like? Are they like uh, other groups in Myanmar or in Thailand or in China? They would
1: readily tell you they're like no one else on earth. Um, the Wa people, uh, as like a cultural, there's a cultural streak within the law that's very independent and adamant on being left alone so i think you find this in a lot of mountain peoples i'm from appalachian stock myself and you can see that that strain in in us as well um that's that's a really important cultural aspect to them now unfortunately if you ask i know most americans and brits and europeans have not heard of the law right If you were to ask other people in Asia, um, those who've heard of the Wa, the first thing that they're going to say is, oh, you mean those headhunters? And that's because up until about the 1960s, for centuries past, they lived in these walled fortresses in this very steep mountainous area. And there were warriors inside these fortress towns. And they did practice headhunting, so putting enemies' heads on sticks. As I'm, as I point out in the book, you know, other cultures, the French revolutionaries uh, were well known for severing heads as well. They did this for a reason because that shock value um, kept intruders out, and so they developed that reputation for wanting to be left alone. Now they haven't done that since the '60s, but that uh, that carries a long, deep stigma that people still know about. And then, of course, the other thing people will say is, "Oh, the Wah." They're just a bunch of drug runners.
0: How do the Chinese, and, 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 and we're going to come to the geopolitical element after the break, but how do the Chinese think of the WA? Do they consider them Chinese in any way? Uh, what, what, what is the official language of the WA? Uh,
1: they speak WA at home, but uh, in government documents, uh, the lingua franca of business and, and diplomacy, such that it is 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 chinese this is a really controversial point for the wa people because living right on the border with china they have long feared that china would subjugate them um as you well know other minorities in china the uyghurs tibetans
0: uh, and that's why faired... i asked about religion given the uyghurs of course are muslim
1: yeah well they haven't fared so well um they don't have their own nation state right and and so the Wa the don't want to be dominated by China, but at this point, the Wa state is essentially a client state of China. It, it, the, the roads are built with the help of Chinese engineering expertise. The cell phone towers in their territory, which they do have, are plugged into China's telecom grid. They use Chinese money. Most people speak Chinese. And the Wa leadership is in steady communication with with uh, Chinese diplomats. I mean, there are you can find photos online. It sounds like a conspiracy theory theory, but it's true. These DEA wanted leaders, these wah leaders who are wanted by the DEA will be in photo ops next to diplomats appointed by Xi Jinping. So China likes to have an influence over the uh, narcotics producing state on the other side of their border.
0: And in that sense, the Waland, if to come up with a term, isn't that different from many countries in, in Africa and Asia in terms of Chinese inv- investment? Some people think of it as a kind of neo-colonial arrangement.
1: Well, the, the, the benefit for China is, one, you have a, a state and an, an army that uh, Myanmar's regime is afraid of. So, yes, China has a relationship with Myanmar's regime, too but you can always hold the wa over them if they're misbehaving, if they're doing something China doesn't want. We can always funnel more weapons to the wa if you're not gonna do what we want and create a pain in the neck for you. The other thing I think is really important to understand is that when the US looks on its southern border and looks at the drug producing syndicates there, uh, its strategy is to try to destroy them and lock up its leaders. And we've seen this war on drugs policy for many decades. Uh, It hasn't turned out so great. When you knock down a cartel and create a power vacuum, you have all these smaller cartels rushing in to fill it, and it creates a lot of violence, hundreds of thousands of people dying. China has a different strategy. So it looks at the narco state on its border, and it says, let's co-opt them. Let's have leverage and influence over them and as one of my main sources in the book explained to me, it's understood that you don't traffic heroin or methamphetamine from Wa state into mainland China, because that could ruin the relationship with Beijing upon which they rely. So it's a fairly effective strategy that, that Beijing implements here.
0: We are speaking with Patrick Nguyen, the author of fascinating new book, Narcotopia in search of the Asian drug cartel that survived the CIA. I want to thank uh, Liberties, the quarterly journal of culture and politics that's helping bring us such high quality and fascinating guests as Patrick Wynn. Going to run a short feature on Liberties and then we'll be back with Patrick to talk more war and to bring in the CIA and their role in this incredibly unusual narrative. So don't go away, anyone. We'll be back in a minute. And you can subscribe to liberties at libertiesjournal.com. Well worth the investment, as is the investment in Patrick Wynn's new book, Knockatopia, came out last week. Fascinating book. Patrick, as I said in the introduction, you are the Asian correspondent uh, for NPR's The World, an excellent program. You've been in Bangkok since 2008. Uh, Bangkok is not that far, of course, from Land. How much of How much time did you spend there and and how did you get in and out? And and was it, I I assume there were moments of of danger for you personally?
1: Well, uh, much of the reporting I did in the general Golden Triangle region. So that includes um, the Thai-Myanmar border where the Wa has territory and then in uh, towns held by Myanmar that are very close to Wa state. Um, As far as actually going in, yes, in 2019, um, I managed to go north of the Thai border into a village that was uh, dominated by the United Wa State Army, which is the Army of Wa State. And here, lest I be accused of making Wa State sound like some super virtuous enterprise, um, I went there specifically to talk to uh, other ethnic groups who were the process of being ethnically cleansed from their ter- territory as the WA have expanded. So they have become powerful enough to push out other ethnic minorities and take over land that they desire. I mean, some of their stories were quite uh, unpleasant to hear. Um, was I able to um, sit in the boardrooms with the DEA indicted leaders of WA state? Uh, no, I was not. What I did rely on heavily is well, I had a, frankly, a a hugely lucky break, as I've been pursuing this story for 10 years, I was able to um, forge a relationship with a former top three WA leader who was right, right at the top. And the reason he spoke to me uh, is because unlike most WA leaders or any other WA leader, probably, he had a soft spot for Americans because he had been converted to Christianity. Um, His family had been converted to Christianity long ago by American missionaries. So that was a lucky break, and he gave me the full inside story, which um, really, at that point, once he started opening up to me, I knew I was going to write this book.
0: So what you're describing is a a narco state, but you said earlier, um, Patrick, that it isn't like the kind of gangs who run local towns and cities and uh, regions in Mexico is enormously wealthy and powerful drug lords. What does this, what does nar- narcotopia look like in terms of the distribution of the wealth uh, of the drug industry? Is it a bit more equitable than Mexico?
1: Um, this is a point that I, f- is, this is another point where I think while leaders uh, could do a much better job. I don't know exactly how much money they're making from narcotics. So they primarily, primarily methamphetamine is produced on their territory. And according to the UN, the broader Asian meth economy is $60 billion. They're not making $60 billion. I would guess their GDP is somewhere in the low billions, but um, it's very expensive. Global,
0: the global revenue from from is 60 billion
1: the asian meth economy specifically so that w- would not count what is happening in north america it's huge it's the biggest meth uh, meth economy meth producing meth consuming region in in the world yeah so i would uh i am critical uh at points in the book or at least i highlight people who are critical saying well if they are making a lot of money. I know a lot of it goes into sustaining a state. This is not something other drug cartels typically have to do. You don't have to pay the nurse. You don't have to buy medicine. You don't have to pave the roads. You don't have to buy bullets for your, oh, well, they do have to do that. You don't have to you know, maintain um, a system of government. They could, sh- whatever they're making, they could share more of that with their people. So inside WA state, there's about 600,000 people. The condition of the schools is very poor. The condition of the clinics is very poor. And most WA have nothing to do with the drug trade. They're farming as best they can on pebbly mountain slopes, um, just kind of eking by. And so there isn't any sort of welfare, social safety net that um, there isn't enough of one, I should say.
0: Is this public knowledge amongst the WA of what's happening and where is most of these drugs produced or grown?
1: At this point, the WA, and this has been true for about 25 years, have gone all synthetic. So they actually went all synthetic before any of the Mexican cartels, which is, you know, now. Right. And that's what Quignones
0: talked about, importing these these synthetic drugs from Asia and then in Mexico, they're manufactured.
1: Yeah. Originally, the WA were pioneers of the Yaba, the pink pill that spiked with meth and caffeine and it smells like vanilla cake frosting, and it's produced in the billions each year inside the borders of Myanmar. So this was their, their 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 premier product starting 25 years ago, something that could replace heroin. So in the 90s, a lot of the heroin that was hitting the United States was synthesized and produced in Wa territory. So they shifted to methamphetamine because who wants to worry about an army of, uh, peasant uh, farmers and bad weather, and all the other things that affect, you know, when you when you have to rely on a crop. In switching to this uh, this pink pill called Yaba, this meth pill, um, you started to see a lot of meth labs popping up right on the border of Thailand and Myanmar, in an area of Wa State that is uh, adjacent to Thailand. So that's where a lot of it is produced. I will hasten to add that these days, the Wah have become more sophisticated. And they will tell you, we don't, we don't produce drugs anymore. And what they mean is that land is rented to outside criminal syndicates, primarily Chinese, to build the meth lab, to bring in the chemist, and to worry about international distribution. And the Wah government would just tax them. So. Give us 10%, give us 20%, whatever, of what you're making, and we'll be more hands-off and just um, let the money roll in.
0: It's a fascinating story. You mentioned Belgium a couple of times. Of course, Belgium was invaded at least twice during the Second World War, easy country to conquer. Presumably, the Chinese or the Thais or or even the, the military regime in Myanmar, they could invade if they wanted to, couldn't they?
1: Mm, I think Myanmar's regime has its hands full right now even on a good day if they weren't fighting 12 other uh, armed groups that going into Wa territory mountainous as it is well armed as the the Wa are with anti-aircraft weapons um I'm not sure that they would win it would be a very tough fight and what about course, the, the China can do what it the, wants obviously
0: the the ethnic conflicts in Thailand the Muslim separatists how does that fit in and 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 why do the the Thai government which at least publicly is aggressively hostile to the drug industry why do they put up with
1: this on their border yeah, the muslim insurgency is down at the other end of thailand so it doesn't really click into this conflict um as for thailand doing something about wa state yes actually in the early 2000s there was a push to do more of an armed paramilitary strikes Against drug labs right on the other side of their border, um, as I was told by Thai anti-narcotics folks, they had thought that the U.S. would adamantly support that because the Th- Thailand and the U.S. are are allies in the global war on drugs and all that. Um, the U.S. W- was looking elsewhere. I mean, this is we're we're talking post 9/11, right? And that support didn't come. And so, I don't think that Thailand's military thought they could do it on their own. In the past twenty years, the Wa have only gotten stronger. They do have weapons from China that the same weapons the People's Liberation Army uses. It's just not worth it. Every you know, they're not they're not terrorists. Uh, they're not trying to upend the Thai government or anyone's government. They're just allowing drug production on their territory. And Although it's not some people a, might right, argue,
0: Patrick, that they. They or the drug production on their territory has done a lot more damage to the US than Al-Qaeda. Somewhat triggered an invasion of an entire country, a catastrophic, tragic one, of course. It did, and that didn't work out
1: too well. And yeah, at the I'm not end suggesting that conflict... the Americans
0: should invade. So we've left the, the best or the worst till the, the end. The US, the, the subtitle of your book is In Search of the Asian Drug Cartel that survived the CIA. It seems like a story that could have been born in the Vietnam era. How how were the Americans, and particularly the
1: CIA involved in all this? The original CIA interest was in the early 50s and I found a document, CIA document, then secret, that said the Wah uh, desire, are unanimous in their desire for white men to rule them. And why would the CIA even fancy that thought? Because the Wah had this warrior reputation and they were on the back step, back door of communist China. So the CIA hoped to recruit them uh, to their cause. Didn't quite exactly turn out how the CIA wanted. Fast forward a couple of decades.
0: Patrick, you don't need (laughs) me to tell you that. right? (laughs) Indeed, they don't.
1: CIA not great at predicting the consequences of its uh, operations.
0: Especially in uh, Southeast Asia.
1: Well, to to your point, Andrew, um, during the Vietnam War, when the U.S. brought in uh, the perfect customers for heroin—traumatized you know, GIs who had a little bit of money to spend—they they became the target of a lot of Asian drug trafficking syndicates, primarily producing heroin. And some of the heroin going into the GI's arms uh, was derived from opium grown in Wa Territory. So that's how the Wa plugged into that. These days the WA State is, um, is a CIA target. and primarily the drug traffickers um, that uh, have very high rank within WA State are targets of the CIA. So it's a DEA DEA, CIA. Um, they're, they're very simpatico these days on targeting the Wa and undermining them, although they're not terribly effective at it.
0: The subtitle of the book is the the Asian Drug Cartel that survived the CIA. But that's not saying much. I mean, the CIA is, as you hinted, isn't the most effective organization. What did the CIA want to do? They want to destroy this cartel?
1: Um, I don't. I think at this point, this is probably a low priority for the CIA. And I say that uh, to help people understand that if you are on... If you are the recipient of CIA interest or any operation, no matter how low priority, it might not be something the CIA director is sitting around worrying about. But if it's somewhere on their agenda to undermine you, you're going to have a rough time, especially if you are a relatively small indigenous group. So no, it's not the biggest deal for the CIA, but that interference has profound consequences for the Wah people. Um, there was a, a an initiative that uh, my main source took up when he was a leader within Wa state to forge a deal with the United States where they would wind down their drug trafficking in exchange for American aid, hospitals, schools and friendship. Um, and the CIA sabotaged that deal. So that's what I mean when I say they survived the the CIA and, you know, you. It, it, there's two sides of the coin right yes we we all know about the the blunders of the CIA but we also know that they are capable of destabilizing governments overthrowing governments so um, it, it depends on how big of a priority you are to this to this group to the CIA
0: Patrick uh, finally I just read a piece actually before we came to air about a woman who found her son, a dead son on the streets, uh, a drug addict on the the streets of a small American town. The epidemic of drug use and drug deaths in America is rising. This is obviously an enormously serious issue, not just for the United States, but for the world in general. What does your book tell us about how to confront the epidemic of of drug use and deaths? Is, Is there a suggestion that... We should be building iPhone factories, or we should be encouraging iPhone factories in warland, uh, uh, or a- other kinds of agriculture. What, what wisdom can we glean from your book about addressing this terrible human catastrophe of the drug industry, both in and out of Asia, and particularly from the context of the United States?
1: Yeah, I'm personally extremely sympathetic to people who've are suffering from addiction, who've lost family members to addiction. Um, I would just point to the fact that whatever we're doing now, the drug war is in more than half a century running. It's not working. It seems to be getting worse. I'm not suggesting that the U.S. needs some profound new grand policy towards the law. I'm not. In fact, <laughs> controversially, I don't think we should have much to do with them. I think there's this strain within American political thought that we need to have a say in everything even if we don't fully understand who we're affecting and right now the the war under sanctions from the US there's something called the Kingpin Act so just as a, a, a in America a corporation can be a person uh, an organization tagged as a drug trafficking syndic- syndicate can be a kingpin so The entire organization is considered one big kingpin. And if you do business with them at all, um, you can get in a lot of trouble. So they're shut off from the global financial system. I'm not sure that that is going to drive them away from producing narcotics. It kind of closes the window on any legitimate economic enterprise. So if the DEA and the CIA wish to continue targeting drug lords who are resident in Wa state, sure. Tagging the entire nation building project as a massive pariah and locking it into the underworld, which is effectively what they do, is not terribly effective. It's a not, but,
0: but it's a nation building project, Patrick, um, built on drug money.
1: That's true. And um, I would ask anyone who was in charge of that project or in charge of defending the Wah homeland, what they would do. And the alternative is probably poverty and weakness to the degree that they would be swallowed up either by Myanmar's regime, one of the most vicious racist regimes on earth, um, or China. So I'm not, look, I'm not a policy guy, but I just want to show you their side of the story because I know most people don't know the law, but those that do have tagged them as just uh, a bunch of criminally-minded narcos when it's much more complicated than that.
0: So what could we do in terms of um, investing or helping prosperity of the WA people and somehow helping them emancipate themselves from, from, from the drug industry, from, the, from, from growing or from leasing out lands for
1: the growth of illegal crops? the first thing the united states could consider is just lifting this kingpin designation that means if there's someone within the wa government or wa society in general that does want to push to uh, clean up their act that they would have the ability to do so but right now if they were to you know um pursue any economic activity it would be shut off from the global financial system under under u.s law effectively so right now the window is just sealed shut and what i found in reporting this book is that there were people who tried to push wa society and the wa government in that other direction and weren't successful because of a cia operation so i just let them breathe i mean i don't I don't think that we're very good at, we don't need to rush in and help them. We, we have bigger priorities at home, but just give them the opportunity to go straight if they want it. And, and that would be a suggestion from me, but again, I'm not a policy guy.